We're back, everybody. Another Bad RNG podcast. After a really long time, longer than I think any of us expected. I mean, if you're if you're living here in the year of our Lord 2020, you understand as to why. <laughs> this is if you're true. watching it in the future, you will also understand as to why. Because this this has not been a the best of years. If you don't know why, by the way, I'm the Salonium. If if you forgot, uh, and the other guys, what are your names again? I don't remember. It's been eight months. Uh, I I'm too. I'm some chef dude, and I uh, I'm listed here as Butman. I'm not sure why I chose that as my name, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're putting your best foot forward, man. <laughs> And I'm um, a uh, the bomb ass pizza. I think that was it. I think yeah. I think. But for those that don't know, the reason that we've been gone for so long—if you didn't know this already—the reason that we've been gone for so long, uh, uh, you might have thought uh, it must have been because of the big C, the coronavirus. No, it's because we got exactly forty dollars in donations, so we had to disappear for for eight months. Because we said five dollars will make us disappear, and we got forty bucks. Wait, so wait, now wait, we're wait, back. wait, wait. Why didn't I get any of that money? Yeah, where's my slice, dog? Uh, I mean, we didn't get any money, but so, it was because of the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a uh, mixed signals. <laughs> well, what do you think? I mean, Not- it's definitely mixed. It's it's been a wild ride, honestly. Um, it's been crazy quite times. A year. Yeah, it it's been hard to figure out like what our trajectory was going to be doing the podcast and streams and everything else. We finally came up with sort of a solution that worked for all three of us to do the podcast, and here it is. And it's kind of an impromptu thing. Like this all just got put together today. Yes, and I actually made no response in the the group chat until you were like here's the link everybody let's do this (laughs) like if you look back in that dm i didn't say a word that is true i was wondering about that well it sounded like you guys were were gonna go ahead regardless and i didn't really have anything going on tonight so it was it would have been wasting finger energy finger finger energy finger i'm interested in this concept of finger energy tell me more Okay, so each of your fingers only has so many spoons per day. Wow. Oh, oh, so this is like a spoon theory yeah. offshoot? The spoon yeah. theory. Yeah, but it's specifically for your fingers. Okay. That's why it's unhealthy to type just a lot. Okay. I, this makes sense. Yes. So just to come right in saved you spoons. Yes. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense to me. But... To give everybody an idea, the reason this whole thing was prompted was I watched a video where people were talking about indie games and I'm like, hey, we talk about indie games a lot. Like, that's something that we do. So let's talk about them again. And like it was it was funny because it got brought up that in just about every episode of this podcast so far, we've talked about like one or two indie games or maybe indie games in general, but we've never had like a full episode dedicated to it. And I think for all three of us, like there are different 
indie games that have had different impacts on our lives, which is a weird thing to say, but we'll we'll jump into that conversation. For sure. And I uh, I think I you was, should go first because that's that's the one we talk about the most. Frank. What my my indie game? Mm-hmm. The the shovel man? The shovel dude. Blue guy. Yeah, that's that that's my game. I think the thing that really kind of prompted it in my mind, though, other than that video, was the fact that um just earlier this week, uh the game Rogue Legacy 2 went into early access. And I remember Rogue Legacy being one of the first games that I ever streamed on Twitch. Like it was one of the first games I ever played. It was in that first year or so that I started streaming. Well, Rogue, fun fact, roguelike games are actually named after Rogue Legacy. Really? Yes. I, did, I actually did not know that. Because Rogue Legacy was one of the first like roguelikes with the, the permadeath mechanic. Yeah. And you can kind of see that in like the whole like passing down your genes thing. Like, the whole premise is that you're playing as your child every time you die. Yeah, you're like playing someone else in your lineage. Yeah. So, but that's if it wasn't like the first, it was definitely the inspiration for the the genre of roguelike. That's where roguelike comes from. Fun fact of the day. That was a, that was a good one. I did not know that. That was good information to have. I uh, but I started playing that. I played it on stream a little bit and. All three of us have been playing a whole mess of Fall Guys, um, which again, has been, if if you're here in the year 2020, you know what Fall Guys is. Yeah, like you definitely know. But it's it's crazy to think. Um, just a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago at this point, but there was a point in time in my life where AAA was kind of all I really thought about, I didn't, I didn't really actually think of indie games as their own separate thing for a long time. And then all of a sudden it was like, man, I'm really starting to fall off of the, the AAA wagon. Like there's a few games that always will spark my interest here and there, but for the most part, it's been the more indie publishers that have constantly gotten my attention whether it be by bringing new ideas to the table or bringing back something that hasn't been done in a long time, but kind of like remixing it in a way that makes it new and unique. Um, but indie really has done that in so many ways over, I'd say, what, probably the last 10 years or so. It's become, I'd say, probably bigger than AAA, in my opinion, at least. Well, I think... Maybe as far as like total market share for indie games versus AAA, it, it might be comparable. But what's what's funny about that is like it's the timing because when did the Nintendo Wii come out? Was that about ten years ago? Well, like yeah, six or seven. Oh six. So one of the the things that I've said since like I don't know two thousand ten is that the Wii itself made gaming as a hobby more normalized it kind of like made it okay to play video games for fun regularly before that it was kind of seen like a like as a nerd thing or like a computer dork thing and it's once the Wii came out you know you had you know grandmas and, and parents playing video games with their kids and, and finally starting to understand it and 
puts, I, I guess that kind of put more resources into the hands of like more creative developers, because with AAA, you're always going to have that corporate homogenization, I guess would be the best way to put it. It's yeah. because it's trying to like hit that, that perfect middle line where they're able to, to make at least a $1 more than they put into it. And beyond that, like they don't really care. They I'm just sure, care. I guess, what, I guess what, that's, that's probably the defining characteristic between like what we now, I guess, call indie and AAA games is, is that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of other differences, but like in terms of like the design, like what, what goes into the game, like what kind of game you're going to make indie games tend to be like internally motivated where like the people, the developer making the game is, is the one informing what they want to put in usually. Yeah, where they AAA have, uh, games are made by like publicly traded companies and like have to answer and like create games in like specific ways that meet expectations. You know, like it's it's not just like a creative choice or or you know like what the, like the uh, how to, how to put it. You know, like they they're not like as a as a creative decision putting in say like microtransactions. It's because like market research shows that like putting this in increases revenue, like recurring, uh, you know, revenue. And like, you, you know, you have to make a product that competes with this other company's product, you know, they're, they're guided. It's, it's not more, like I wanted to make an eight bit platformer sort of thing. They're guided more by like a, like a vision, like a creative vision, as opposed to like financial incentive. Sure. I mean, yeah. like ironically, uh, I would say that the AAA games are, are made like, more like as a product these are obviously all products but at the end of the day i think the advantage when you're buying an indie game is that you are actually buying more of a complete product than a triple a game which comes across as more of a service yeah especially in in today's atmosphere like the landscape that's been put together with the like you said the microtransactions and things like that it's become more of a thing where um you don't have to give somebody a complete product right from the gate. You can kind of, I guess, milk it for lack of a better term. You can milk it for as much as it's worth for as long as people are willing to do it. When you have things like ultimate team or whatever it's called in like FIFA and stuff like that, you can continue to do that as long as people are willing to pay. I mean, what's going to stop a publisher from doing it? I mean, how do you think Team Fortress 2 has stayed around for so long? Like, people are crazy about hats in that game. Like, it's it's hat simulator. You pay to open boxes to get a hat. Like, that's kind of, like, that in Counter-Strike. But this isn't the microtransactions episode. No, it's, it's about the indie game. So, like, these are games that I guess are more likely to get, say, like, an, an ending. Like, I'm not saying that indie games are marked by having, like, game endings. You know, like, the there have been some that come across as, like, short play sort of arcade things. But, like, they, they don't follow the same, like, market trend of, say, like, opening up from, like, a completable product to something that you recurrently play and, and like, log in for social points and transactions i think Um, well i mean i think depending i mean we've we've definitely seen it with games like um like PUBG, and there's there's definitely uh, but i would say they're more the exception that proves the rule rather than the other way around there's less games that are 
I guess in the the more popular sphere, like the more popular indie games are not the ones that are doing this, have the same sort of model as what you would find in a AAA game. They're kind of fewer and far between that really like get off the ground. Sure. Well, I think that like what people see as indie games is kind of like uh, ambiguous too. like really when we compare it to triple A games, like that's a very like solidified concept, right? Like we're talking about games made by like mega mega companies that are publicly traded and all that stuff we talked about. And it's like a whole different world. And then you had like a lot of times indie just kind of gloms everything else under the sun in. Yeah. And like that's that's not like exactly the case. Like there is there is sort of a, a spectrum there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so trying to escape the AAA because I don't want to shit on AAA too much. No. There are AAA games that I do like, but but it is kind of um, neat to see like games are coming out with from like different angles than that over like I guess over the past like ten years. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I saw it. Is probably the last like two thousand tens was really when. I feel like it really took off and indie became like as big as it is now. Um, what are like, I know this is a weird question to ask because it's hard to answer, but what are some of the games that you think of like synonymous with indie? Like you think indie, these are the first games that come to mind in your head. Binding of Isaac. Binding of Isaac. That's Super Meat Boy. Any, any any early Edmund McMillan. Okay, I could I could definitely see that. Um, like I I obviously of course will think of Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight, yeah. the first game that will always come to my mind um, because it was basically crowdfunded. Yeah, it it was a crowdfunded game. Like that's um, kind of like there's no argument about whether or not that's indie. Like it's it was paid for by the people. Yep. Um. I'm on the fence about Bloodstained because, like, I, I, I don't know. I, that I lo- seems like more of a double A production. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it because it's it's one of those games where, yes, it was crowdfunded through Kickstarter, and that's how we got Curse of the Moon, Curse of the Moon Two, uh, Ritual of the Night. We got all these games, and I love all of them. Don't get me wrong, but. I feel like part of it was it kind of got driven by the fact that you had a guy that previously worked for a AAA uh, publisher. Yeah, and that kind of helped least, drive it. It at least started as an indie kind of project. Uh, I, I don't know. There, there's a little bit of that gray area where like there are projects that like started crowdfunded and then like picked up a bit of publisher support after that. Yeah. Um. So I, I, think, I don't know. Like, would you include that? Uh, I don't know. I would I would consider it uh, indie because I think the company that they're working with now is Inti Creates, and I they're ba- they're an indie company, um, for sure. Um, there's certain companies that I think of like it's it's funny. I think of a few companies in the in in the indie sphere, like uh, Inti Creates, Yacht Club, uh, Tribute Games. There are like certain companies that I think about and I'm like, these are companies that I know I can go to almost every occasion that I've gone to one of them. The game is solid and I know what 
to expect because they they put out a certain level of product. Like recently on stream, um, I played Panzer Paladin, which was a game made by Tribute Games. And that game, like I was already kind of excited for it, but it definitely exceeded my expectation when I saw that um, there's a character in the game. Sorry, it's slight spoilers. There's a character in the game named the Horseman and you fight him in every stage. And when you defeat the horseman, you get a special weapon. Well, those weapons are created by other members or other people who own the game who went into a mode called blacksmith where you can create your own weapon. And every weapon you get is like the best of the best of the weapons that the community has created. And I thought that was such a cool concept to without making multiplayer somehow involve the community in other people's experience of the game. Oh, well, it's an interesting concept. The the issue I find with any anything like that is longevity. Like especially when it comes to like an indie game like that that's not super popular, that's not going to have a lot of people playing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not not to shit on it like that. Like it's a it's a very interesting concept, and I guess someone has to has to throw themselves on that grenade to to like introduce new things out there, I, so to speak. I guess I don't know if that's the right expression, but yeah, I think I definitely when I first saw Panzer Paladin, I knew it was going to be more of a niche game. One of the things I actually really enjoyed about it was it was kind of that blend of like. Master Blaster for the NES um, with Mercenary Kings, which is was another game that Tribute actually made mixed with like Shovel Knight. And like it, it had a lot of influences in it put together to make a very unique game of its own. But um, funny enough, one of the things that I love the most about it, and it's something that I think is interesting about it compared to like... Um, Shovel Knight and and games like Shovel Knight. Like Shovel Knight has that NES sort of feel, but not quite because it's a little bit it it's seems refined. Yeah, it's more refined. Where Panzer Paladin is definitely the type of game that I could absolutely have seen on the NES. Like the color palette's not super vibrant. There's it it's done in a way that if I saw it on the NES, I wouldn't have been surprised, I guess is what I'm getting at. I, and I really like that. That old that old style feel is something that a lot of developers are kind of going for. Just I think part of it has to do with like a lack of big financial resources. Yeah. So I mean it's just it's easier to make a 2D game than trying to render a 3D environment and and put all that shit in. Like that's yeah, it's good to limit the scope. Like, what what will be the point of trying to to render something you know that compares with the latest the like super AAA game? Yeah, you get you get stuff like uh, like FTL or uh, Into the Breach or Into yeah. the Breach, whatever it was called. Into the Breach. Very few companies are able to pull off the like whole indie game or indie company, but somehow make a game that's like triple a, I mean, CD project red was one of them, but how many, how many companies are going to be able to pull that off? Like, I can't think of many that are going to be able to pull off a Witcher type situation 
you know, out of their hat. Like a game that really impressed me, and I I would strongly encourage it for you guys to check out. It was Morph Cat Games made a game, uh, Micromages. And what I find so fascinating about it is I played that game on stream as well, but they actually made that game so you could play it on your PC, but they made it small enough that it actually plays on an NES and they played it at this year's GDQ at summer games done quick online. They played micromages on the NES, but it's the way they did everything. Like they, they, they have like a little documentary on their YouTube channel that shows the process of how they got the game to fit in 40 kilobytes. And it's so interesting. And I would strongly encourage anybody who listens to this to check it out. It was really cool. I'm on their website now. Like super cool stuff. Um, And it's a fun game. The best part about the game, much like what I enjoy about uh, Curses of Chaos, is that if you hold down, you dance and who doesn't want a dancing feature in a video game? Please tell me. I mean, most of my downtime in Shovel Knight was spent dancing. Exactly. Just like that's, mashing that, the down button. That's what everybody does. You yeah, want to dance in video games. Just got to dance. But you haven't given us the the first indie game, uh, your first indie game that comes to mind, Pat. The first, well, like I said, the first indie game that comes to mind for me is Shovel Knight. Yeah. It, sure. Always. It's it's always going to be Shovel Knight. Like I mean, I think I think all of us knew that. Yeah, I don't I've think spent, that was a question for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I've spent too many hours in that game. To be fair, but I don't believe that that's a real thing. Probably well over six hundred hours in you know Shovel Knight. You know what's funny is your enthusiasm for speedrunning that game got me to speedrun it because. <laughs> No, because like here's what was happening. I was living with my old roommates. It was like the last week and a half that we were there. It was a nightmare. We didn't have internet. And I was watching your stream on my phone and I'm like, well, Shovel Knight single player, I can just like race him, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> and like learn the speed run with him. And yeah, that's that's kind of where that went. It, but the first game I ever speed ran was actually Super Meat Boy. Yeah, you were saying that in previous episodes. Yeah. I think for anybody when it comes to speed running, like if anybody's ever interested in speed running, like for me, there's at least two parameters to if I want to speed run a game. And that's one, I have to really, really enjoy the game. And number two is it has to have a banger of a soundtrack. If it doesn't have a banger of a soundtrack, I'm out. I can't sit there for like four hours playing a game with a crap soundtrack. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that. <laughs> no, I got to agree. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a big part of why the Mega Man games are so popular for speedrunning. Hell yeah. Like fuck the gameplay. Like I'm here I'm here for the stages. Give me the music. Just I shove it directly thing, into my ears. The whole thing that drove the 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 speedrunning of Shovel Knight. I can't remember which one of you it was, but one of you told me I to did do that. You did. I did told that. me I, shovel I was watching only. you on my phone. I was like, do shovel only. And that's how it all began. Yeah. I, be, I, I think I finished it in like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes or something like that. And then we were like, maybe you should try speed. Running. Yeah, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Don't be a wuss. Just go do it. I hate to say it. I think you're already speed running this. <laughs> <laughs> I was speed running it and I didn't even know it. Um, 
But no, you have to enjoy playing the game. Like that's for sure. Because you're going to be doing it a lot. It's it's not called a grind for no reason. And you're going to fail a lot more than you succeed. Now, another thing that I really love about indie is how much um what's the word I'm looking for? How how much how many different types of games you can find. Um whether it be like you want a platformer, you could get that. Uh roguelikes, that's fine. If you want a game like Seven Days to Die, which is zombie survival horror, that's there too. Like let's, so let's many not, different let's not forget the best concept, a paperwork simulator. Yeah. If you want a paperwork simulator, if you want to go to work and check people's passports, you can do it. Because indie games are awesome. That's basically my point. And that's the best. I think that's probably the best part about indie games is you tell somebody that you tell somebody, oh, yeah, there's a video game where you can be border security and you're checking passports (laughs) and stuff. Nobody's going to believe that that's a good game. Nobody. Based on that. But it is. Papers, please, by the way, if you're not familiar. A wonderful game about a border security no you gotta love it that's 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 one of the the big things about indie is it it lets weird things happen you know it's uh or, or another one a beautifully weird game that uh we've had a lot of fun with at magfest is need hog oh yeah like this game where you play is like these noodly uh stick figures and you you uh fence uh, back and forth across levels, trying to get to the end, defeat your opponent, and then feed yourself to the giant need hog, the, the big <laughs> flesh worm. Yep. It's, and, and I think that is why indie's so necessary, because you think about it, Battle Royale started with what? Was that Arma? Like it was a mod? Yeah, I think it was Arma 2. Or, it might have even been Minecraft Hunger Games. I don't even know. It's one or the other. Well, because but... I know H1Z1 was born out of... Wasn't out that... Arma 2, I think. I think, I think that two. one was an Arma 2. And then there was basically a different game mode for H1Z1, which was the first like real big popular one called King of the Kill. Yeah. And so that was the first big one. And then PUBG blew the doors wide open. Yeah, but it's it, it's crazy to think that the the indie game market is so necessary because it kind of pushes the envelope and brings us like you'll see AAA games like Call of Duty and all doing the Battle Royale and Epic Games as Fortnite and whatnot. These companies are doing this now, but it took somebody in the indie realm to think outside the box and go, you know what? This might be a cool idea. Let's try it. And it taking off. So it's so necessary that they kind of coexist together. Uh, that That's always going to be it, right? Because if you wanted to, if mainstream games, if AAA games were making these types of, of games and using these types of concepts, there would be no reason for an indie developer to do it. They just go work on that team or, you know, they would they would do something else because that's the whole idea, right? The the beauty of, of video games, both as I would imagine, both as a developer and as a player is like you can kind of just do whatever you want 
within like certain parameters and they're like creating a world so there's a lot more a lot more love put into it when you have control of that and you want to do something different something that hasn't been seen before yeah and whether or not that makes it to the mainstream it's it still makes for some some memorable gameplay at the very least most of the time i mean i guess what is the mainstream and is it is it the only parameter of success uh, i i Really, it's just neat that we're in an age where like the the tools to create games are so accessible that like yeah. anybody who really wants to could conceivably make a game. Yeah, uh, you know, of course there has to be scope. Like we talked about using uh, uh, retro art styles or things like that. Um, like really, you, we've moved beyond the age of games getting better just by like adding more gigabytes and more graphics and more polygons and more textures. Graphics. You know. Like we're really in an age where where the games that that break the mold are the ones that come up with these these new paradigm breaking concepts. Uh, even ones I don't really like. Like uh, I got to give credit to like Fortnite. It's really popularized the idea of like this sort of party game that everybody like logs on and does like wildly different like things. Like goes to concerts or or like fucks around during a, a battle royale. Uh, looking for like secrets and some sort of like social media lore. Like, I don't know. I never would have thought of that. Like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Like it's sort of like a world of Warcraft, but not really. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I'd agree meanwhile, we're getting like new, like Nintendo games, like you're talking about. Like it's, it's so neat. Video games can do whatever they want. And like anybody, with enough will and talent, like, can make it happen. Just everybody keep in mind, this is an important lesson from the Bad RNG crew about video game making 101. We're going to give you some advice. Make sure always to tighten up the graphics on level three. Yeah, dude. This is important. Okay? (laughs) Grab that Super Nintendo controller. Tighten up them graphics. And tighten up the graphics. (laughs) So I guess here's... How many people are actually going to get that reference? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because, like, I'm listening and I'm like, oh, God, please don't take any advice from us. But, Alex, (laughs) that's the beautiful thing about podcasting is that we're an age that the the tools needed to make a podcast are so accessible that anybody with the will to just, like, plug in their microphones and start jabbering like us jabronis can go and do it. (laughs) Unless you give us money on Patreon or whatever. And or buy our podcast from the 7-Eleven. Or buy it from yeah. the 7-Eleven. Next to the hot dogs and the ketchup <laughs> packets. There's, suffice to say, there's a variety of schemes by which people could give us money. Please uh, give us money. So I guess here's a question I have for each of you. And I think this is an interesting one. It might take a minute to think about it because I know I'll need it. But if there's three games, three indie games that you can think of that you would encourage people to play, what would they be? And why? Why are those the games you chose? Well, it, it depends on a couple of things. Um, the person's taste in games or like their experience with games. Because that that will kind of inform like who it is I'm what it is I recommend. No, Doug, you don't understand. Like, you got to f- forward your BuzzFeed top three. Like, yeah, right now. your like, BuzzFeed uh, top three. Like, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's, it, we're Hall of Fame okay. voting here, you know? Like, okay. you got to, you got to, like, anonymously vote that, that stuff. 
So but we're number talking three about, like, will shock you. People with with our experience. If I thought you guys hadn't played any indie games, what were the ones I would recommend for yes. you too? Okay. Um. Well, I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the Binding of Isaac. I'm I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but I proposed to my wife through a Binding of Isaac mod. Uh, it was one of the first things we bonded over. Blah blah blah. Nobody cares. Bind it over. We bind it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came. It's creepy, but it has a soft a, a special place in my heart. So that would be one of them. Um. Hmm. What I think that, that's. You need a minute. <laughs> I mean, Shovel Knight is is on that list as well. The third one is going to be the most difficult. So come back to me for number three. Okay, Pat, what do you I got? I think I gave you guys plenty of time to think. Uh, Frank, you got one? Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Shovel Knight, obviously, as, go Shovel like, Knight. my first one. And my big thing is, first off, the amount of uh, variance now that the full game is out, whether you want to play um, Shovel of Hope, uh, Specter of Torment, uh, Plague of Shadows or King of Cards, four different types of gameplay all have unique styles to them. But if you enjoy that old school side scrolling platformer, it's like right up your alley. Great music, great art, just a game I can't suggest enough just for even the like there's so much in the game that you can check out that I would say that you have this opportunity to have a very individualized experience just by casually playing through, taking your time, looking up, finding all the secrets. It makes the game really definitely worth your time, especially with now Shovel Showdown involved as well. So you have like a fighter. Um, you have a fighter in there as well. So I think... Shovel Shovel Knight's definitely one of them that I would absolutely suggest. Um, now, for a game, a second game that I would suggest, because I like to think in different areas, the, the second game I would pick would be Rocket League. And I specifically think of Rocket League because if you want a fun game that you don't have to take seriously, that you can play with friends, Rocket League is the first game that will always come to my mind. It's... Because we play it and we play competitive, but when we play competitive, I don't know that we've ever taken competitive seriously ever. Maybe for a little while. Yeah, maybe for a little bit there. Yeah, for like, like a short period ago. of time. <laughs> for like two it, months, three years ago. Yeah, we played it seriously for a very short period of time, but then it's just kind of like, yo, let me let me try to like hit it with my butt and knock it in the net and that's all I'm going to do. Or let's, let's go into a custom match and turn the boost up to 10 times <laughs> and the gravity to like one eighth and see what happens. I think, I think rocket league is, a uh, and like that kind of exists in that gray area of indie games that we were kind of talking about because it's certainly Cy- less uh, indie than it used to be. Yeah. yeah. But like psionics, they, they did a lot of work with, I think they worked with Bungie on one of the Halo games, um, like one of their first gigs, they did um, Unreal Tournament 2K4, which I think would have been considered a AAA game for the time. I did not know that. 
Yes, they act. They worked on the assault mode, which was a mode with vehicles, and their specialization became vehicles and online gameplay. Or no, it wasn't okay. Halo. It was Gears of War. I think okay. they helped with the multiplayer on Gears of War. Gotcha. But they were kind of developing Rocket League in the background of all of that. Okay. So there's there's actually an interesting uh, mini clip documentary. Is it mini clip? What's the? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's like a, a YouTube channel that does like documentaries. I, I I'm not sure. No what is it? No clip. No clip. The, no clip. No clip. Yes, there's a okay. no clip documentary about psionics, but they kind of exist in that gray area. I mean, because Rocket League was all done in their spare time, I guess. You might consider that an indie game. Yeah, it's definitely blown up, but yeah. I've always kind of considered it an indie. Um, it's a, I, I, the, yeah, well, the now it's I'm owned making, by uh, Epic, right? Yeah, now it's owned by Epic. Yeah, so no longer no indie, longer. I guess. But, you know, if they broke away, then I guess it's indie. It's, I'm going seen with it how I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll always be indie in my heart. It's still indie to me, damn it. Rocket League was about the friends we made along the way. Rocket League, which forever. was all of us, and that's 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 what India is really about. Yeah, India is about family. Ohana, my my <laughs> last one. <laughs> my last indie game that I would suggest for people would be Stardew Valley. Um, oh, that's a good one. That is a looking good one. For super chill game that you could just like put hours into and just like chill. It's the perfect game for that, in my opinion. It's just super chill, super chill game. So that's oh, my that's three. A good one. That's a good one. All right. Do you have any, Pat? Or do I? Yeah. Go so, uh, of course, since we've been talking about uh, some some games from back in the day, I'd, I'd say uh, Axiom Verge is actually a pretty good one. Okay. Oh yeah. Another another kind of like old one of the the old wave of indie I guess uh, oh my god it's like five years ago really old yeah yeah <laughs> wow yeah you know what's yeah, funny great. is that each of us have a game that we speed run on our list yeah that's it well that's that's why I picked it I thought yeah. I thought it was a good one uh, yeah. but no Axiom Verge is super good you know uh, it, it's it's again in the vein uh, kind of like Stardew Valley it's one of those games that's sort of like what if they made a sequel to like an old game that wasn't just like a sequel made because of a new platform or, or to like take advantage of like newer technologies like Stardew Valley is really like a game for people who wanted like Super Nintendo Harvest Moon, but like better. Right. And, yeah. and like Axiom Verge is kind of like the same thing for like Super Metroid. Like in some ways, it's kind of like really close to to the uh blueprint for super metroid like really close but you know like some like one guy was able to do that like that's that's amazing yeah um and i do have another one unless you got your last one uh, i do have my last one actually what do you got uh salt and sanctuary oh that's a good okay, one that's a good game salt and sanctuary was an excellent game i i loved it I mean, everyone, it's well documented my love for the Souls games. So, and Salt and Sanctuary actually improved on a lot of things that that Dark Souls didn't do all that well. Like the, the whole Covenant thing was really interesting, the way that it was handled in that game. There were yeah. a lot of, there were a lot of changes over the, the Souls formula that I really appreciate it. And on top of that, it was just a super fun game and that was fun to play. 
Can't can't uh, go against that. You so, heard yes. it. You can't unhear it. That's my number three. Okay. Well, I guess I got to give you guys a couple more. So another one that kind of feels like an old game. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter is kind of the uh, Link to the Past sequel that I always wanted. That was um, another really good game. As a super, yeah. it's it's kind of like Link to the Past meets uh, Dark Souls. Uh, people, why, why is everything Dark Souls, Pat? Come on. <laughs> um, but but you know what I mean. Like everybody was like, "Oh, let's make like two D platformer Dark Souls. Like we'll make two D Dark Souls." And these guys are like, "No, we're going to do it Zelda style." Really good idea, and like like vaporwave a little bit ahead of the curve like super super good like chef kissy hands to that one and my third one that isn't really like and i'm not gonna relate it to an old game this time i swear to god uh dead cells okay like dead cells is a super great game that like doesn't just take ideas from old games but even takes ideas from like speed running to make like something super cool and new it's fast paced it's fun i recently got back into it couple like last month i played it for like six hours they just came out with a new update didn't they i think so it was the but uh, i'm since since pat's games were all unique and me and frank shared a game i'm gonna change shovel knight and i'm gonna switch that to enter the gungeon okay because that's it's a great game that's what i'm gonna say game it's just kapow and then your your bullets shoot guns that shoot other bullets and the the enemies are bullets that shoot their guns full of bullets at you like it's the best there's guys, guns. i can't help it i gotta say the green thing that you are in dead cells and the way it like goes into that body kind of reminds me of the the worm and earthworm gym and the way it goes in the suit i related it to an old game i couldn't help myself <laughs> <laughs> god damn it pat it's okay. We'll forgive you this time. How long were you sitting on that? <laughs> uh, for for like a good like twenty five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the coolest parts about this too, and just that little thought exercise that we put together, is think about how different all nine of those games are. Oh yeah, they're all super unique. Like, like none of those games are the same. it's crazy it's crazy to think how much like there's similarities for sure but how much of a varying style all of them have that kind of interconnect the three of us yeah i think that's an amazing thing as i said indie was really about the friends we made along the way it, it really was well i mean we talked about it before that Rocket League was the game that brought the three of us back together. Like we all went to high school together, but for a long period of time, at least for me and Alex, we had not spoken in what probably like, like six, nine seven, years. eight like years. Closer to nine years. Nine years. And then Rocket League was what, you know, connected us through Pat. So that's how this whole thing came about. So if you, know you don't like this, blame Pat. You know what's really funny about that is I was just talking to my wife the other day about the old, like what we used to do for voice chat back then. Do you uh, remember what, trying to use the, the Steam and then the, uh, the TeamSpeak racist server? Oh, God. I don't, I don't <laughs> even want to think about that anymore. <laughs> 
We found Discord and never looked back. Yep. This, but this like, is really a rare occurrence. It's a you you may never have heard of anything like this before, but we we used a voice chat server that we didn't really know whose it was, and it turns out that there were racists on the internet. <laughs> I I I for one was shocked. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> But I see in our way of doing this podcast that, Alex, you actually had a question that you wanted to ask. And I, I, I want to hear it. I want to see. So it's, it, it, it's, again, in that gray area. But uh, would you consider like a link to the past randomizer to be an indie game? Because <sighs> it's kind of evolved into its own thing by this point. Like it's not linked to the past anymore. Like it's it uses the same map, the same items, but the gameplay itself is the way that you approach the game is completely different than you would a normal playthrough of Link to the Past. Does it stray far enough from Link to the Past to be considered its own thing? And would it be considered like indie style? Like I see I see where like it's kind of similar, but I think that kind of falls into the, the venerable category of homebrew. Yeah. Or like okay. mod hacking or rom hacking, mod roming, mod romding, ramadan, 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 ramen noodles. Ra- <laughs> the um, I for me, if I if I had to put like the indie, if I was going to put like the indie stamp on one of them, I don't know if I'd put it on the randomizer as much as I would the link to the past uh, Super Metroid uh, hybrid. I mean, that, that still blows my mind. That me too. Like I've yet to to play it because like, honestly, I'm just afraid of it. <laughs> this, is, this is an idea like this is like the video game equivalent of like human cloning. It's like they're just <laughs> doing it to prove they can. You know, like this is dark magic. No, next is going to be linked to the past. Super Metroid Blast Core for no, the clock, and everything in clock. clock gonna be plock dude you're gonna you're gonna kill the the first boss and instead of getting like plocks underwear you're going to get like morph ball or something it's gonna wait for just the super nintendo randomizer it's gonna be the plock dark souls randomizer (laughs) super nintendo randomizer is the dark souls of super nintendo (laughs) (laughs) oh man i uh like i said like pat said i don't know if i would i don't know if i would classify it under the indie it would be more the the homebrew rom hack hack. but it's Um, it's interesting to make the distinction because there's a lot of like very strange distinctions and we don't like we're kind of unprecedented we kind of got to come up with our own nomenclature as as it rolls on well i think indie does kind of owe a lot of its lineage to like homebrew and rom hack type games like a, a classic one would be i guess cave story like now it's kind of owned by a publisher but like that was a game released just like by a guy on dos yeah i mean same thing with like undertale like yeah, undertale, well, undertale is, just... is like totally an indie game yeah, yeah. it's like one independently dude. released to like a million billion dollars <laughs> made in game maker <laughs> What a wild, the, what a legend. Living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess we've done this. We've done this little segment before, and I'd like to try to, you know, make it a thing, a reoccurring thing. What are you playing right now? What's on the radar for each of you guys right now? Well, lately I've been getting my ass handed to me by you and Fall Guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't win a damn game because you keep winning them all. Sorry. Uh, how many <laughs> did you win yesterday, Pat? Like two? I think I only won one. I won zero, so I don't want to hear it. But yes, Fall Guys is definitely something we're watching Frank win at. <laughs> Any other no. games? Uh, I've been playing. I've been going back to Enter the Gungeon every once in a while. I mean, it's a good one. Wow, classic. I think it's weird. I've had a few games that I've been playing. Like I've been playing like three or four different games. So Fall Guys has definitely been one. Um, I've uh, fallen back into playing Red Dead Redemption Two. Just. I I saw a video online and it was the it was part of the story and I was like man I really liked this game I'm gonna go back and play it again um and I just enjoy I just enjoy the whole cowboy wild west aesthetic I do so that's been one and then obviously I've been playing uh a bit of Rogue Legacy two as well so there's been a couple of different games in my in my list recently. Very nice. Very nice. And well, I've been playing metal gear solid five again. Uh, I guess I just really like abducting people with balloons. <laughs> it's a good reason to like a game. It's yeah. Good to have I mean, a hobby. If, if you dig that, then like I got a game for you, my friend. It's called just cause. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now some, as I'm playing it, I kind of like, I wish that you could combine the two, like a game that like let you like build this force and like have all these cool gadgets, but also had the like the movement, you know, like the the parachute and the 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 what do you call it? The grappling hook. Yeah. All the all the crazy the craziness of Just Cause mixed with the more seriousness of Metal Gear Solid. I would even settle for letting the helicopter Metal Gear Solid 5 take you to other parts of the open battlefield. Okay. Missed opportunity. Way to go, genius Kajumbo. Genius Kajumbo. <laughs> no wonder they fired you. Damn. Wow. <laughs> he he came right at him. No, it's he came out with uh, the walking simulator. The walking delivery man game. Walking delivery man game. Walking baby delivery man. Untitled goose game. <laughs> walking that's a game we forgot but i didn't play it, it. Oh, that's it's a, a good, good one game. it's a good one i wanted was to, never I an option didn't rake in the lake rake in the lake that's all i remember because i watched i the just like video. the idea of a goose using walkie talkies to terrorize people <laughs> yeah it was it was a goofy one and like it doesn't have a ton of replay value at least in my opinion but definitely a lot of fun um any games on your radar coming up hmm. not I really i've got any right now what about you i actually have a game that i bought that i intend on playing soon uh by the name of bug fables and it's 
sort of made in the vein of like Paper Mario. So I'm really looking forward to checking this game out and seeing how it turns out because I loved Paper Mario and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. I never finished, which I need to do. But um, I really I also enjoyed never those games. finished it. I'm not sure if that game has an ending. What Thousand Year Door? Correct. <laughs> I, I don't know. It might not. I somebody let us know. Does it have an ending? <laughs> kind of like Metal Gear Solid Five. It doesn't have an ending. Damn, coming out with all the criticisms. Yeah, you're just dunking on Kojima today. Yeah, Bobby or whatever his name is. Just saying, it was released in the state it was intended to be released. Is that kind of like uh, what was it? Posture? Not posture. Why am I forgetting? Dark Souls Three. It was as Poise. intended. Poise. Thank you. Yeah, working as intended. Posture working was uh, Sekiro. Yeah, posture was Sekiro. Poise was Dark Souls. Working, working as, as intended, intended, though. Don't worry. Yeah, that game was but, so bad. <clears throat> but thank you, everybody, for listening. I almost said watching. I'm too used to streams. I gotta, you, can watch, you can watch us, too. Just watch Frank's VODs. Just, just <laughs> stare at at spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast rub your eyes really hard and then focus on the dots that that's us imagine yeah. we're the floaty dots yes but that's we I will I, I don't know what the schedule is going to be moving forward with the podcast it might go back to being bi-weekly it might not i'm obviously this was kind of a spur of the moment thing but we wanted to get it out there um, so as we kind of figure it out, like we'll let you know, you can follow any of us on Twitter. I'm at the Salonium. I'm at some chef dude. I'm at the bomb ass pizza. Go ahead and reach me on the bad website. Yeah. <laughs> I won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. I, 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 I probably will too, but I'll pretend like I didn't. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> whatever gets you through right mm-hmm. or you know pay the five dollars for the patreon that doesn't exist and will disappear again for another eight months well yeah um, actually i will pretend like i read your tweet so that you can pay me to shut up yeah <laughs> but thank you everybody for listening and i will catch you on the next one later bye This podcast is the dark souls of white noise.